Well, thank you, Ange, for that. Uh, I feel that really I don't need to do a sermon, actually, because God has already spoken to us, I think, really clearly and loudly this morning. And it's just been such a privilege to hear the story of what God's been doing in your life and how that has and can impact our lives as well. So it's awesome. So thank you. So um, I had prepared something, so I'm going to share it anyway. (laughs) And um, the reading this morning, you would notice a couple of words that happened, uh, was read again and again. Very simple words. Jesus said those words in the first reading when he spoke to Peter, who was still Simon, uh, who was still Simon at that time, uh, by the Sea of Galilee. And very simple words, come, follow me. And I really believe that those are the words that God has for us this morning as we start this period of Lent reflection as a church. God is saying to each one of us, come, follow me. Now, what you would perhaps realize when Simon, I have to remember to call him Simon at that time, when Simon heard those words, it was really unusual because Simon was a fisherman. And actually, fishermen had already nailed their colors to the mast that they didn't want to be anything other than fishermen. They weren't really interested in following rabbis. Because by that time in, in, in Jewish uh, culture, you would have made your mark if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you would have made it really clear that that's what you wanted to do. But he obviously didn't want to do that. He had chosen to be a fisherman. Then along came this rabbi on this day on the sea, at the Sea of Galilee, inviting him to follow him. I think he would have been shocked. But don't forget that he already had heard about Jesus, so that wasn't their first encounter. Jesus had been ministering in that area, so people had heard stories of what Jesus had done. And like everybody else, Peter too would have heard stories of what Jesus had done. But one thing that perhaps isn't very clear unless you read a little bit more about the culture in that, at that time is that very strangely, rabbis did not go calling disciples was the other way around. Disciples went and made their mind up which rabbi they wanted to follow. And it's a little bit like the nearest thing we have to it is, I guess, what some of our young people will be facing in the next few months, which is, you know, doing their A-levels, applying, they would have been applying to university, they would have spent time thinking about which university they wanted to go, they'd have worked on which course uh, they would study, and in the midst of all of that, they would have put in their application, they've been waiting expectantly for the results day. And then when the results day would come, they would kind of get the letter in the mail saying, this is the university that you have um, got admission to, you've been offered admission. But what was really different about this is that's the normal process, very similar process if you wanted to be a, a disciple. You would choose the rabbi that you wanted to follow. You would you know, make your application to that rabbi, and the rabbi would say yeah or nay. But on this occasion, it was really different. In fact, it was a bit like uh, on results day, you woke up in the morning, and the, the postman brought a letter, and actually in that letter, you found that you had been given admission to the very best university that did the very course you wanted to do. But the only difference is you hadn't dared apply because you knew you wouldn't get in because you wouldn't get the grades. That's exactly what it would have felt like for Peter on that day. That, wow, 
I didn't get the grades, but the very best rabbi around, not only I didn't have to apply, that rabbi invited me to come and follow him. And what I want to say to all of us is that as we look at ourselves, sometimes we feel a little bit like that. We feel like, Jesus, why would you pick me? Why would you pick me to follow you? I can list all the reasons why I wouldn't be number one in your list of potential disciples. But Jesus is amazing. What he wants to demonstrate to all of us, as he did to Simon on that day, was to say, I choose you. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself, how great you think you are, how not so great you think you are, how good you're at doing X, how not so good you're at doing Y. I chose you. In fact, the Bible says in John 15, 16, Jesus said those words, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And knowing that we didn't choose him, but he chose us, I think for me, actually gives me a huge deal of encouragement. Because it, knows, it means he knows me and all my foibles, all my weaknesses, everything about me. Yet he says, Nike, come, follow me. And so Peter said yes. And Peter Simon, I have to remember to call him Simon then. Simon said yes and started following Jesus. And what a ride. What a journey. We're just going to look at some of the things that happened in Peter's life as he chose to follow Jesus. The one thing that obviously everybody knew about Jesus at that time, and it happened all the time, Jesus healed lots of people. Innumerable number of people, he healed them. And Peter was there seeing these things happen. Not only that, at a point in his following of Jesus, he got a chance to do it too. So he went first with 11 other people. Jesus paired them up and Jesus said, I'm sending you the things you've been seeing me do. I want you to go and do those things too. And then a little bit later in the story, he went again with 71 others. And again, Jesus said, I'm sending you out the things that you've seen me do, you go and do. Can you imagine how exciting it would have felt for those guys that the things that they had seen Jesus do, they get to do? And then when they came back, the Bible actually said they came back with great joy. Why wouldn't you be rejoicing? Because those things that you thought were impossible, when Jesus called you all those many months ago by the Sea of Galilee, next thing you know, you are doing those same things as well. So he got to see those things happen. He was also one of a handful of people who ended up being in the room with Jairus and his wife, when Jesus said those incredible words to a dead child, Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, rise up. And right before Peter's eyes, he saw a dead girl come to life again. Can you imagine if you were there as well, alongside Peter and the others, as they saw these things happen? And I can, I can imagine that as as Simon, I'm not sure whether he'd become Peter at that time, as he started to follow Jesus, I can imagine that, don't forget what disciples were meant to do was to become like their particular rabbi. That was the whole intention because there were lots of different rabbis who had emphasis on this, emphasis on that. Their main thing was they wanted to live out the Torah. They wanted to live out God's law in the most perfect way possible. So each one of them he would have wanted to be like Jesus. 
And I think that was probably one of the driving forces on that day when Jesus was walking on water and Peter and the other 11 were in the boat. And then Peter turned to Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. He must have said, if my rabbi is walking on water, I guess I have to give it a go too and see if I can do this. And Jesus called him to come and he came. So we can see that he obviously is, I would say, a risk taker, because I'm not sure what you would have done if you were in the boat on that day and saw Jesus walking on water. Would I have had the nerve to say, Jesus, if it is you, ask me to come. He obviously was a bit of a risk taker, but I want to say that um, 11 other people stayed in the boat. 11 other people stayed within the comfort of that boat. They stayed within the security of that boat, looking on to what was happening. Where would you have been if that were you? He's your rabbi. You're becoming like him. Where would you have been? Would you have chosen to be in the boat with 11? Or would you have, like Peter said, if my rabbi can do that, I want to stretch myself and stand and walk on water too. Peter did that. And I want to say to every single one of us, there is an invitation as we follow Jesus to follow him in every way that he would invite us to follow him. He is inviting you to follow him. And in the way that he's calling you to follow him, his encouragement and invitation to you today is yes, to say yes. You remember that song, that prophetic song we had at the end of worship, saying yes to the Lord. Yes, Father, I want to come and follow Jesus. And as we honor that invitation, it opens up tremendous possibilities for us to reach beyond ourselves to his strength to enable us to do what he's calling us to do, what he's calling us to say, maybe even letting go of what he's asking us to let go of. Because sometimes that can be even harder than doing anything positive. Letting go sometimes can be even harder than stretching into walking on water. Because as we heard in, in the testament that Ange gave us this morning, sometimes it's really hard. To forgive someone when they've hurt you deeply can be really hard. But maybe today the way that Jesus is saying, follow me, is for you to let go of the hurt from the past and follow him. In many different ways, we, we get that opportunity. And I want to encourage us, we, have, we, we need to be people who listen to the Holy Spirit and what he's asking from each one of us. Because what he asks from each one of us is different as we walk with him. It's really different as we walk with him. But, what he, but he's always speaking to us to follow him and be more like him. To be more like him. And as we've done that together as a church, we've seen lots of things happen. In my years here at KC, I've heard so many stories and being involved in so many stories of seeing people's lives transformed. We've heard again this morning, um, Wendy didn't know I was actually thinking of asking you to give a testimony, but then you did, so that's amazing. Um, one of the things I remember about Wendy, and she shared that with me a while ago, she said, you, you wouldn't believe how many times she goes to the Philippines or travels abroad, but Wendy hated flying. 
Those of us who know Wendy knows she does. I don't. Do you still like it? You okay? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. God set her free. But when you first started going, you didn't like doing it. She hated doing it. And I have to say, when I thought about Peter walking on water, I had to think. I thought about Wendy. Wendy's choice to go to the Philippines when she hated flying until God set her free was really like walking on water. It was the, it was the, ability, the, the grace to just say yes, even when it felt really hard. To go to the Philippines and minister, I want to go, Lord, but I hate flying because I'm claustrophobic. But then, because you say go, I will go. That's an example of what it means to follow Jesus even when it is hard. She heard Jesus speak to her about what she should do, and she put her faith in Jesus and walked on her water. You would have your water that God is calling you on to walk right now. And if he's saying walk on it, I want to encourage you, stretch yourself in faith and step out and walk on water. I think as Peter followed Jesus, there must be, there would have been, and not just Peter and the disciples as well, there would have been some things that were really different about the life of Jesus that also caught their, their attention. I think one of it is the way that Jesus related to his father. I want to say that Peter was raised a Jew, and Jewish people are not like us, who maybe we've never really experienced what it means to pray. They, they would have known how to pray from when they were little. There would be some prayers that they said regularly on a daily basis, some on a, a rhythm of particular um, um, festivals. So they were people who knew how to pray. But in Luke 11, verse 1, we see the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And the reason is they would have seen something about Jesus' prayer life that made them think, I want to pray like that. I know how to pray, but boy, the way you pray, there's something different. And when Jesus chose to teach them how to pray, the first words he taught them was to say, Our Father. There is a huge difference in how we relate to God when we see him as our father. And we keep that mindset of the fact that we are children of God. We are no longer slaves. He hasn't called us to be servants. He's called us into sonship. I want to say to you that actually, all through the Old Testament, the way that the Jews addressed God was Adonai, so they, oh, he was the Lord, he was the creator. They used all those kind of words, but they hardly ever used the word father. I can only find five instances in the Old Testament where the Jews ever referred to God as father, where you'd find God referred to as father. And I have to say, in those passages, they were more like prophetic passages. It was a bit like God was saying, I want you to know me as dad. But you know what they said? They would say, Abraham is our father. God says, I want you to know me as dad. And then they would turn around and say, we have Abraham as our father. You know, the thing was that on the day that Jesus finally broke this whole thing out in the open and called God father, that was in John chapter 5. The whole, whole of hell broke loose on that day because the Jews determined that they were going to stone him. Why? Because he called God his father. The reason they were so cross with that is because they said he was making himself equal 
with God. I want to say to us, there is something about us and our knowing of our sonship, of who Jesus has made us to be. That cross, the reason Jesus went on that cross, he was an only child. He went on that cross because he didn't want to remain an only child. He wanted to have us adopted into God's family so that we too can call God our father. And you know what the scripture says? He says that I, as Jesus, this is Jesus saying this, he said, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the father loves me, so do I love you. Can you imagine that? I know that here was Angie this morning trying to help us to see how much God loves us. Jesus tried that too. He wants to, us to see how much God loves us. He says, just think of me. Think of how much the Father loves me. Maybe just stop for a moment. Think of how much the Father loves Jesus. We've heard this said so many times. that Before Jesus ever did a single miracle, when he submitted to baptism, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He hadn't done a thing. As the father loves Jesus, that is how he loves me. You might want to substitute your name. As the father loves Jesus, that's how Jesus loves Nikkei. I don't know about you, but that's how he loves me. And that's one of the things that when Jesus gave that revelation, I tell you, the Jews were incensed and they picked up stones to stone him. How dare you call God your father? I want us to know that it cost Jesus dearly to bring the revelation of God as our father. He nearly lost his life prematurely so that we would know that revelation of God being our heavenly father. So I can imagine that Peter was seeing this incredible relationship between Jesus and his father. Jesus did incredible things like people were wanting him. He was in the limelight and it was like trending on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it was. And everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. And that day, what did Jesus do? He took himself off to a mountainside to pray. And I love the way the Bible puts it. It said, and having gone to pray... He prayed all night. Do you get that? It's like he went to pray. He wasn't planning to pray all night, but because he so enjoyed his father's company, he prayed all night. I just want to really encourage us with that depth of love that Jesus has for his father. He wants us to know that same depth of love. Because as Peter saw Jesus and the disciples saw the love that Jesus had for his father that would make him do stuff like that, he made them come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach us how to relate to a father like you do? Would you teach us how to do that? So there were all these highs we've talked about, this walking on water, this seeing the relationship between Jesus and the father. But Peter also had lows in his walk with Jesus. And I think that the greatest one is what we read in that passage, the second passage we had read to us this morning. On the night that Jesus needed his friends the most, on the night when this incredible act of love that Jesus had been talking to them about all the time, saying, 
that I come because I've come to embrace the cross. I've come to be made an offering for sin. On that very night that that was to happen, Peter was nowhere to be found. He denied his friend. He wasn't there. And not only was he not there, when people said, you're one of them, we recognize you, they're one of his friends, he said, I don't know him. He said that three times, that he did not know Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. And then what happened? The cock crowed, and he went out and wept bitterly. And I can only imagine the shame that he would have felt on that day, that this is this guy who introduced me to the Father. This is this guy who allowed me to get to do so much of what he did. And then when he needed me to stand with him, first in that garden of Gethsemane when he wanted us to just pray with him, I couldn't, I fell asleep. And then when he was there being judged by all these people, whipped and beaten, where was I? I denied him. I can only imagine the shame and the utter sense of probably worthlessness he must have felt at that time. But just a minute, do you remember that just before that happened, Jesus had said to Peter, Peter, that's in Luke 22, 31 and 32. Peter, he said, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then when things have turned around for you, come back and strengthen your brothers. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Can I just say as a real deep sense of encouragement to all of us, there is not a thing that happens in our lives, particularly the huge lows that Jesus was unaware of. Absolutely none. Everything that happens in our life, what happened with Lee, Jesus knew about it. What happened to Peter, Jesus knew about it. But what was interesting for me, and I have to say this is really interesting for me, because in my prayer life, if I had a prophetic sense that Satan wanted to sift any member of King Center or my family member or my friends, I can tell you that my prayer will not be like Jesus' prayer because Jesus' prayer was, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. My prayer will be, get your hands off in Jesus' name. I command you, Satan, take your hand up. Anybody would join me in praying like that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I would have prayed, but Jesus didn't pray like that. Jesus let Peter go through it. And then, because when he went through it, his plan for Peter was to come back strengthened so he could strengthen other people. That does, through all our charismatic thinking and theology, blows it right out of the water, doesn't it? It now teaches me, actually, when I pray now, I try and be a little bit quieter before jumping in. I try and listen and tune in a little bit. I still get it wrong because my natural tendency is, take your hands off, Satan. But now I know that Jesus might have a different thing on his mind for us. So we go through lows just like Peter did. We go through suffering. We go through separation, serious illness, financial crisis, relational challenges, 
even right now as King Center, and I know Ange referred to that as well, there will be some wobblers, and it's nothing to do with extra waste tires or anything like that. Nothing to do with that. Just totally wobbling because people we've learned to love very dearly are about to leave. But I want to encourage us that in all of this, Jesus is still saying exactly the same as he said to Peter, follow me. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Follow him. Listen to what he's saying to you. Step out in faith to do what he's calling you to do. Even in the midst of the lows, this is what he did to Peter. And I'm going to just finish with that. That last passage we read, remember Peter having betrayed Jesus? I can only, honestly, I can only imagine. I know if it were me, and I can imagine what would be happening in my life. If it were me, I can imagine after it had happened, I probably wouldn't sleep that night. I'd be replaying that scenery in my mind again and again. I'd be thinking, gosh, what did I just do? I denied Jesus. How could I have done that? I'd have played that in my mind again and again and again. I think if it were me, I would have, the next morning I've been so down, so depressed, so low, thinking, how could I have done that? I can imagine if it were me, I'd think anything he had for me to do now is all over. I'd think the past is the past now. All those things I got to do when Jesus was there before I denied him, that's it now. I can't ever get to do those things again because guess what? I denied him. That's what I'll be thinking. I'll be thinking, it's over now. Maybe we should go back to fishing, which is exactly what he did. He called his friend and they went back to fishing because it's all over now. But with Jesus, it is never over. With Jesus, it is never over. There is not a thing any one of us could do that would separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not a thing. I, don't, I can't imagine how bad you think you've been or how amazing you think you've been. Not a thing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And isn't Jesus amazing? Right by that Sea of Galilee, where he called Peter on the very first day, he met him there again. And right by the Sea of Galilee, he asked him, Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. I don't think Jesus was trying to be horrible to Peter. I think he asked him because Peter denied him three times and he wanted him to hear his forgiveness, his love, his acceptance of him again three times. Do you love me? And he said, yes, I love you. And then Jesus said, after saying, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, he said, follow me. I can't imagine if I were Peter, how that would have felt like. It's like a throwback to that first day. He said, follow me then. And even after all that I've done, he's still saying, follow me now. I get a chance again. You know, he is the God of second, third, fourth, innumerable chances. Whatever you've done, he's saying to you now, lay it down at the foot of the cross. I'm saying to you, follow me. And he didn't say, follow me to him once. He said it twice for emphasis. Even when his views and, you know, his mind was again already wobbling. He's a wobbler. He was already thinking about John. What's his business with John? If it were me, I'm like, wow, I'm in again. 
But he's saying, what about that guy, Lord? What do you think? And Jesus said, it's no business of yours. What I have called you to do is to follow me. Folks, we must never let our past, no matter how far away it was or how recent that past is, we must never let that define our present. We must never let it define our presence because God has a place where he's taking us to. And we're going on that journey. We're going on that journey. It doesn't matter who is in on that journey. We here are in on that journey. And he's calling us forwards and saying, follow me. For some of you here today, you've never, this is the, it's like Jesus is speaking those words to you afresh. You've never heard it before like this. You've never heard that Jesus is calling you. I want to ask you today, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you've heard today of how much he loves you. You've heard today of what he has in plan for you. He's in store for you through the highs and through the lows of life. I want to encourage you to say yes. During the song, when we, we do a song in a moment, I'd love you to come and find me or find Jess. We'll be really happy to pray with you and introduce you to this new relationship with Jesus. If you feel you're not ready, that's okay, but just don't be passive about it. Be actively seeking about Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read and learn about Jesus if you think you're not ready. But if you are, it'd be such a privilege and a joy to lead you to Jesus today. For those who have said yes before, Jesus says those words to you again. Follow me. Follow me. It, it hasn't changed. Those words are exactly the same as it said to you on that first day. Whatever those experiences have been, he's saying to you again, follow me. What will your response be? Shall we pray?